Hi everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Crimopedia. I'm your host, Allison, and today we're going to be talking about a missing girl from the state of New Jersey in the United States. There are a lot of different theories and rumors circulating about this case, and fair warning, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that information in this case is very limited. But this case is still open and being investigated, so I've done the best that I can with my research, and I'm hoping that the circumstances of this case inspire some of you to take your own deep dive into missing five-year-old Dulce Maria Alves. With that, I think it's a good time to jump right in. Dulce Maria Alaves was born on April 25th in 2014 in Bridgeton, Cumberland County, New Jersey, United States. Dulce's mom, Noema Alaves Perez, was only 14 at the time Dulce was born. A few years after Dulce was born, Noema would give birth to a second child, a boy named Manuel, and at the time of Dulce's disappearance, Noema was 19 years old and was once again five months pregnant. On September 16th, 2019, 5-year-old Dulce, 3-year-old Manuel, Noema's 8-year-old little sister, and 19-year-old Noema went for ice cream at a Sunoco gas station in Bridgeton, New Jersey. Afterwards, the family went to the Bridgeton City Park at the Bridgeton High School around 4 p.m. Noema would park her vehicle facing the city park with the entire park in her line of sight, all except for a set of swings. As soon as Noema put the gear shift in park, Dulce and Manuel jumped out of the car and ran off to play in the park as kids do. However, Noema and her eight-year-old younger sister stayed in the vehicle. Some reports say that Noema was helping her with her homework. Other reports say they were scratching lottery tickets. Regardless, Noema and her younger sister stayed behind in the vehicle for approximately five to 10 minutes. The two realized shortly after that they couldn't see Dulce and Manuel, which was obviously a concern because they were very little children. So they exited the vehicle and made their way over to that set of swings, presuming that's where they likely were since it was the only part of the park that they couldn't see. However, once Noema and her little sister approached the set of swings, they could only see Manuel. He was alone, he was crying, and the ice cream that he had gotten on their family outing was on the ground. Noema asked Manuel where his sister Dulce was, and all he could do was cry and point in the direction of a few sheds in the city park where city employees typically kept landscaping equipment like lawnmowers and hedge trimmers. According to Noema, Manuel isn't very verbal, so it wasn't odd that he didn't say anything. All he could do was point and cry. It wasn't clear to me if this was due to his age, he was three years old at the time, or if he was just a shy kid but it wasn't abnormal for him not to speak, especially if he was upset, which he clearly was. When Noema realized she couldn't see Dulce anywhere, she first thought that Dulce might be playing hide and seek or playing around somewhere, but after she looked around and behind the sheds that Manuel was pointing at, she still didn't see Dulce. It's then that Noema says panic really began to set in. She searched the entire park, including down a trail that was near those sheds, but couldn't find her daughter anywhere. No one, where's your emergency? Um, I can't find my daughter. Okay, when was the last time you seen her? 
we were there at the port, and people said that somebody, probably somebody took her. Okay. How old is she? She's five years old. Okay, and what park are you at? Here in Bridgeton Park. There was no one else at the Bridgeton City Park that day, aside from a group of four or five young girls playing basketball. Noema approached this group of girls and asked them frantically if they had seen her daughter. The girls told Noema and would also later recount to police that they saw a dark-skinned man walking near Dulce who was running behind the sheds in the park. Another one of those girls said that she had seen a red van with tinted windows on the street behind a baseball field which is actually behind those sheds, the same ones Manuel was pointing at. Unfortunately, this group of girls did not see whether or not the man interacted directly with Dulce or what happened afterwards once he was out of their line of sight. But Dr. Phil, who interviewed Noema only months after Dulce disappeared, said that three-year-old Manuel's reaction is indicative that he likely saw something, even if the girls didn't, and even if he couldn't verbalize it. To Dr. Phil, this reaction meant that likely the man who the girl saw did interact with Dulce. In my research, I've seen two more detailed descriptions of men seen in that area that day. According to Time Magazine, one of them was reported to be wearing a white t-shirt with blue jeans and a white baseball hat. He was approximately 5'7", with a slender build, and was anywhere between 30 and 35 years old. I saw one report that said that this man had also apparently been seen that day with two children under the age of five, but the article I read didn't specify if any witnesses were able to pinpoint whether or not those children were Dulce and Manuel. There is a composite sketch available of this individual, and I will put that on my Instagram at crimopediapod so you guys can all see it. The second individual is one more widely reported on, and so I'm not entirely sure if Time Magazine got their information directly from police or what the situation was, or it's possible that this second individual is just a byproduct of misinformation. That's a huge theme in this case, unfortunately, but we'll get there. This second description is a man wearing orange sneakers, possibly Nike, with red pants and a black shirt. He was a Hispanic male, approximately 5'6 to 5'8, and was driving a red van. He had a thin build with no facial hair, but he did have relatively severe facial acne. It's possible that these two descriptions could be of the same person, where the only discrepancy really is the outfit that they're seen wearing, but as we know from the case of Ronald Cotton, which I covered in an earlier episode, the human memory likes to play tricks on people, so it's possible that witnesses could have just gotten this mixed up. Either way, police say that these individuals or individual is simply wanted for questioning. They're not suspects, but since Dulce disappeared, they have not heard from anyone matching this description. No one's come forward. Shortly after Noema realized that Dulce was gone, police were called to the Bridgeton City Park and over 100 officers were responsible for a preliminary search party as well as canvassing the area. Unfortunately, this preliminary search didn't turn up anything. In fact, not even Dulce's coconut ice cream she had gotten from the Seneco gas station was found either. Police believe that Dulce disappeared around 4.20 p.m. on September 16th, given by the timeline offered by Noema, but police were asking the public to please turn over any cell phone photos or videos taken in the area between the hours of 3 and 6 p.m. If someone did take Dulce, there's no telling how long they may have waited around for. The next day, on September 17th, 
an Amber Alert was sent out for Dulce Maria Alaves, and before long, she was placed on the FBI's most wanted list of missing and kidnapped persons. It was pretty clear from the get-go that Dulce simply didn't just run away on her own, and finding whoever did take her was critical and obviously, as we know, very time-sensitive. At the time of her disappearance, Dulce was wearing a yellow t-shirt with an elephant on it, black and white pants with butterflies and flowers on them, and white sandals. Five-year-old Dulce is approximately three feet tall and weighs anywhere from 60 to 70 pounds. It is believed that she was abducted, so people in the area keeping an eye out for any articles of clothing that were seen on Dulce that day on September 16th is critical. Only a few days after her disappearance on September 21st, after searches up the park and surrounding area didn't turn up anything, a vigil for five-year-old Dulce was held at the Bridgeton City Park. Pretty soon after the disappearance, a reward was offered for finding Dulce, which quickly spiraled into multiple agencies and organizations, including the FBI, Bridgeton Police, the Cumberland County Prosecutor's Office, the New Jersey Police Benevolent Association, and Dr. Phil, accumulating a total reward of $75,000, which reached the $52,000 mark only after one month of Dulce being gone. Aside from an interest in talking to those men or man I described, police as of November 7th of 2021, over two years after Dulce disappeared, still have no solid leads. However, it certainly wasn't for lack of trying. Bridgeton Police Chief Michael Gamari Sr. said that over 300 law enforcement officers from multiple different agencies have contributed their resources to the investigation, with authorities receiving over 1,000 tips from the public and searching more than 200 locations and 500 vehicles. These searches included an abundance of sex offenders in the area, and some of the evidence collected includes cell phone data and video footage from the Bridgeton City Park the day Dulce went missing. However, there were no cameras directly in the park, but we'll get to that later as well. Despite all of this, police still have nothing. However, according to the Cumberland County Prosecutor Jennifer Webb McRae, law enforcement has been operating under the assumption still that Dulce is alive. Therefore, the investigation is still ongoing. I'm not entirely sure why police believe Dulce is still alive, not saying that it's good to assume that she's deceased. However, we all know how time-sensitive it is to find missing children after they've been abducted. According to the Washington State Office of the Attorney General, in 76% of missing children homicide cases, the child is dead within three hours of abduction, and in 88.5%, the child is usually dead within 24 hours. Another interesting stat that I came across in the Uniform Crime Reporting Survey of Canada, out of the 1,000 children who were victims of an attempted or completed abduction in Canada in 1996, only one-third of those abductions were non-parental, meaning they were abducted by strangers. This stat is most certainly outdated, but as the years have gone on, the proportion of children who are abducted by strangers gets smaller and smaller. It's usually parents and relatives that are the perpetrators of child abduction. So the entire situation standing on its own, where Dulce may have been abducted by a complete stranger, statistically is unlikely, but it's still possible. 
However, the chance that she's still alive this many years later is even more unlikely. But obviously, police agencies know this. This isn't some sort of weird, discrete stat that isn't very common. Police know how time-sensitive child abductions are. So when the Cumberland County prosecutor, Jennifer Webb McCray, says that they're operating under the assumption she's still alive, part of me thinks there may be evidence or something concrete that they have found that tells them so. However, if that's the case, it hasn't been shared with the public, and I just don't know. And unfortunately, that is really all the information available about the circumstances of Dulce's disappearance. However, there's still quite a bit more to talk about regarding potential suspects that the media has pinpointed and where the investigation has taken the police over the last two years. Dulce's mom, Noema, doesn't think that Dulce's biological father, Edgar Perez, was involved with her disappearance at all. I hadn't mentioned him yet because he never lived with or helped raise Dulce. Him and Noema apparently don't even talk that often. Despite him initially expressing interest in his daughter when she was born for the first little bit of Dulce's life, it wasn't something he fought with Noema over or really put that much effort into. As a consequence, Edgar Perez ended up really not being in the picture. Him and Noema never had custody issues after this either, and in fact, at the time of Dulce's disappearance, Edgar was living in Mexico and some reports state that he had actually been deported from the United States. So it's not likely that he would have been the one to physically pick up Dulce from the park and take her away. Police apparently did follow up with him and determine he wasn't involved, however, I believe I only saw one news report that stated that, and another news report that said that police haven't actually cleared anyone. Again, lots of rumors, lots of misinformation, but given the fact that he was in Mexico, I don't think he would have been the one to take Dulce. As well, I'm not sure if they're still together, but the man Noema was seeing at the time of Dulce's disappearance in the fall of 2019, who was also the father of the child Noema was five months pregnant with, was also apparently cleared as he was working in the state of Philadelphia, just north of New Jersey, at the time Dulce went missing. Given the fact that both this guy and Dulce's biological father were out of state and Edgar was even out of the country at the time Dulce went missing, I don't really suspect either of them. Some people have pointed to the fact that they could have hired someone to do this or orchestrated this using third parties, but police instead think that this abduction was a crime of opportunity, and FBI Special Agent Daniel Garabrandt said that it's possible whoever took Dulce might have just been waiting at the Bridgeton City Park for some time before he saw his moment to strike, his moment of opportunity. It's possible that this individual was just scouring around looking for a young child, which brings up the conversation about sex trafficking as well as abduction for the purposes of harboring Dulce. Similar to the way Wolfgang Pricklapil just kind of hung beside his weird white van waiting for young Natasha Kampusch to walk by before he abducted her and held her in his dugout cellar for eight years, which I discussed in a previous episode. These types of incidences are even more uncommon than stranger abductions, but clearly they still happen. And with such little information we have to go on in this case, I don't think we can rule out anything. Police also haven't been very forthcoming with what they've ruled out either, so I mean, I guess it's still on the table. If that is the case, I hope that Dulce, like Natasha Kampusch, if she is being harbored, is able to make a break for it someday. In early 2020, there were some interesting leads that investigators received in the mail. Three different handwritten letters were received by different individuals in the state of Ohio. One was sent to a local ice cream shop, 
one sent to a local library, and an index card was sent to the manager at the Mahoning Valley Racecourse in Youngston, Ohio. All of these letters were postmarked from Cleveland, Ohio, but none of the letters had a return address on them except for the one that could be traced back to the city of Culican in Mexico. This is kind of weird, right? But bear with me. The letter that was sent to an ice cream shop in Austintown, Ohio was picked up by the owner of the ice cream shop and was instantly taken to police. The reason there was no hesitation in bringing this letter to police was that it mentioned Dulce by name, but it did not mention her whereabouts. Another letter, much longer than the first one, was sent to a local library, which was two pages long, and, just like the previous one, had been handwritten. Police say that these two letters seem to have been written by the same person, and this second letter was also postmarked from Cleveland. However, I couldn't find out what the contents of this second letter actually had in it. Lastly, there was that index card that was received by the manager at the Hollywood Gaming Casino, and this letter suggested to police that they needed to search a nearby wooded area located close to the Youngstown 76 Auto Truck Plaza. This Auto Truck Plaza was a truck stop, and it was located only a 4-minute drive or approximately a 15-minute walk, according to Google, from the casino. Police would actually end up searching 30 to 40 acres of land near this Ohio truck stop, as the letter reportedly said Dulce could be found in this area, but nothing came of this search. However, again, it wasn't for lack of trying. According to Sergeant Richard John, they used canines, drones, and infrared technology, but again, they still found nothing. This index card was the one that could be traced back to the town of Culican in Mexico, but nothing more could be found from this evidence, and they couldn't trace the index card any further. There were also reports that I found that stated the Alaves family spokesperson, Jackie Rodriguez, also received a handwritten letter. This letter is not as reported on as the other three, and if it's true, I'm not entirely sure why, because it seems critical. This letter did not mention Dulce by name, but unlike the others, it was several pages long. And again, it was handwritten, and the rest of it seemed to be consistent with the other letters received. These letters are not public, but police and the people who've received them said that they were all very difficult to read. I'm not sure if that's because they were messy or damaged or the person didn't speak English very well, or maybe their handwriting was really bad. But police said to the public that they were only able to make out a few key specific words in these letters. Some of these include the words Alaska, Mexico, border, 1776, civil war, New England town, and kids' homes orphanages. This whole handwritten letter situation is obviously very bizarre, and a lot of people have their own opinions and theories about it. However, Bridgeton police would later come out and say that they think these letters could very well be phony. There's equal parts probability that they are legit, but also that someone is just pulling a sick and disgusting joke on the Alaves family, given how little evidence they were actually able to pull from these letters. Sort of branching off into a different theory, Noema herself speculated on the Dr. Phil show that it possibly could have been an old friend of hers who abducted Dulce, but didn't mention this person by name and apparently didn't give any new information on the show or to the media that police weren't already aware of, according to Chief Michael Gamari. Noema said that there was really nothing this person did to tip her off as being suspicious other than the fact that he pursued her romantically a few times and she rejected him, and once he inquired about Dulce, and I guess it made her kind of uncomfortable. 
But other than that, she doesn't have any real enemies. And so it's kind of a huge mystery as to if it was someone in her life that she knows who abducted Dulce, who on earth would do this? There was also a search conducted around Dulce's elementary school after a psychic in 2020 posted a somewhat viral video saying that this area should be extensively searched as well as the wooded area nearby. We can talk about psychics in criminal investigations and how damaging they can be another day, but nothing came out of that search either. And the fact that police followed up on a lead given to them by a psychic really does make me question if this investigation has any direction or not. As of now, Bridgeton Police Chief Michael Gamari Sr. said that the COVID-19 pandemic has greatly hindered the investigative efforts, as we've seen in so many ongoing investigations and court proceedings. However, despite what I just told you about the psychic, he maintains that authorities do have solid leads. And again, based on the information I've provided to you, I'm not entirely sure what those are, especially considering that police are still advocating for the public to come forward with tips. Given the large population of immigrant families in this part of New Jersey, authorities have urged the public to come forward with any information and have stressed to not be afraid of the police. This is arguably very difficult to do with the long-standing history of violence and prejudice against migrants and undocumented people in the United States, but anyways, they assured the public that their immigration status would not be questioned if they came forward and they would be protected from ICE. Unsurprisingly, it doesn't seem like any viable leads or evidence has come from this. In 2021, to mark the two-year anniversary of when Dulce Alaves went missing, the Bridgeton police teamed up with the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, abbreviated to NECMEC, to produce an age-progressed photo of Dulce, who at the time of this episode publication would be approaching her eighth birthday in April 2022. In the meantime, there has been a petition circulating around the Bridgeton community that calls for security cameras to be installed at the Bridgeton City Park where Dulce was abducted from. Like I mentioned to you before, there were no security cameras in the area that Dulce went missing from. All police had to go on in terms of security footage were any cameras that civilians on their own houses might have had in the area, and they were also relying on the public to come forward with any photos or videos they took at the park that day. I think if there's anywhere there needs to be security cameras, it's at a public city park where kids are playing at, especially if there are as many sex offenders in the area as police alluded to. And even more especially since there are areas of the park, the swings, like I mentioned, that are not easily seen from the most common vantage point of the parking lot. Personally, I don't understand why there are no security cameras for the simple fact that city workers kept most of their equipment for landscaping in those sheds that Dulce was apparently running behind. Like, don't you want to protect your stuff? And obviously, they would have been incredibly valuable if they were installed and running on the day Dulce went missing. Something I've seen a lot of online is people blaming Noema for her daughter going missing. Like I mentioned to you before, Noema was not watching 5-year-old Dulce or 3-year-old Manuel when they ran off to a part of the Bridgeton City Park that she couldn't see from her parked car. However, I wanted to make it clear that this is exactly what we're not going to do. I'm not going to sit here and produce a podcast that continues to blame someone who, for all intents and purposes, is clearly a victim. Noema has said that, of course, if she could go back in time, she would be right beside her children the entire time they were out. Although it wasn't a good idea for her to let them run into the park on their own at their age, we have to remember that Noema was 19 years old with two children of her own, pregnant with a third, and also had her eight-year-old sister with her that day. 
No parent or caregiver is perfect, and sometimes a small lapse in judgment can result in catastrophe. But people have taken this blame very far, even accusing Noema of setting up the entire situation because she wanted Dulce to be kidnapped, either for the purposes of sex trafficking or for the purposes of getting rid of her. Let me make myself clear, I don't buy into this at all, but we're going to have to talk a little bit about why people think this is the case. If you do any research about this case on your own online, you will see a lot of interviews of Noema, several of which you can find in the sources listed on my website at crimopediapod.ca on the episode page in the episodes tab. What you'll see is that Noema is very unexpressive and overall comes across as very flat. To be completely honest, in these interviews, she does not show a lot of emotion, and this is something that many people, including Dr. Phil himself, took issue with. However, we're not doing Dulce any justice if we're pointing the finger at her mom just based on the fact that she's not showing emotion in interviews. We have to remember that on top of being 19 years old and a single mom of almost three children, English is not Noema's first language. She was raised on and is most comfortable speaking Spanish. When the press and media are shouting questions at her in a language she is not entirely comfortable with, not as much as she's comfortable speaking Spanish, that alone is going to be intimidating, let alone the fact that some of these questions are accusatory, and let alone the fact that her first-born daughter had just gone missing and she was catching a lot of heat for not watching Dulce. People blame Noema for this, they blame her for being a young mother, and they blame her for having a flat affect. However, somehow this translates to guilt for some people. Noema said herself on the Dr. Phil show that she doesn't cry in front of people really in any situation, which seems fair enough without even considering that people's emotions during times of trauma are never a good indicator of guilt or let alone how they're actually feeling. But if you actually do some research and you actually care about what happens to Dulce, you'll find a few interviews where Noema is asked questions in Spanish and as soon as that happens, you can see her become much more expressive and even start to cry. So what we're not going to do as true crime content consumers is blame Noema for Dulce's disappearance when there is evidently someone out there who knows what happened to Dulce. Like I even said before, police think this was a crime of opportunity, and there is no evidence against Noema, and speculating on her decision-making abilities or quality as a parent is only going to do harm to the investigation. Have you ever heard of tunnel vision? There are clearly other avenues that investigative efforts need to explore, given that Dulce has still never been found and it's been over two years. And that's not even considering that this kind of hate and finger-pointing online is awful and, frankly, the comment section on YouTube videos are always cursed, but the ones on interviews of Noema, especially Dr. Vils, are straight-up accusatory and defamatory. No family who has suffered the loss of a child or the loss of any family member deserves to be berated like this. Whether or not you agree with Noema's parenting decisions or are suspect of her, there is no room for bullying and harassment when families are grieving. I personally am not entirely sure what I think about this case. I think the red van guy is definitely suspicious. And I think if there were security cameras in place at the Bridgeton City Park when Dulce went missing, this case could have been solved a long time ago. However, as of right now, at the time of recording, it's January 23rd, 2022, Dulce Maria Alaves is still missing and nothing of hers has ever been found. Her clothes, her ice cream, nothing. 
So if you or someone you know has any information about what happened to her, there are several outlets where you can leave tips to police. You can call the Bridgeton Police Department at 856-451-0033. You can also call the toll-free FBI tip line at 1-800-225-5324. The great thing about this tip line is that if you call it, you can select option 4 and then option 8 on the automated menu if you want to remain anonymous. Those who are more comfortable speaking Spanish can call 856 207 2732. And again, if you are concerned about your immigration status, Bridgeton police have assured the public that they don't have to worry about any of that being compromised. You can also submit tips online anonymously to the Cumberland County Prosecutor's Office at www.ccpo.tips or at the Bridgeton Police Department website at www.bpdtips. I hope that in 2022, I will be able to give you guys some positive updates about Dulce Maria Alves. Despite there being nothing concrete thus far, I do believe that this case is solvable. Whether or not this was a single stranger abduction or a part of some sort of organization, someone knows something. Things happen, deals are made, and people talk, and so it's only a matter of time, in my opinion, before this person is found out. Please send your love to the Alaves family. I know this has probably been so emotionally draining on all of them. The disappearance of any family member is always so earth-shattering and unbelievable, but the disappearance of a child is just, for some reason, so many more magnitudes tragic. I cannot imagine how Noema must be feeling every day. But until I hopefully get some good news, stay safe everyone, and I will see you back here as always for the next episode. Be sure to check out my Instagram at Crimopediapod for any photos in this case, especially photos of Dulce wearing the outfit she was wearing at the time she went missing. As well, all of the interviews of Noema that I talked about will be linked on my website at crimopediapod.ca. Okay everyone, that's all from me in this case, so I will talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.